A few years ago, we grew and sold a business that forever changed our lives. At first, we really struggled trying to figure out which tools to use to help run and organize our community. But that all changed once we discovered Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part, Kajabi doesn't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So you keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash M-U. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash M-U. Go to kajabi.com slash M-U and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. More and more entrepreneurs and investors are discovering the awesome franchise opportunities that exist across a variety of industries. Franchising can simply be the better path and interest in franchising is at an all time high. Lucky for you, John Austinson, founder of Fran Bridge Consulting and a past Millionaire University guest is here to help you explore the premier franchise opportunities today. John and his Frambridge Consulting team are part of the largest franchise brokerage in the U.S. and have vetted the market thoroughly. Frambridge is hands down the premier source for the best opportunities in the franchise world, including both active and passive opportunities. From tiny homes to youth soccer to industrial hoses to pets, senior care to mental health, and more. John has served as an Inc. 500 franchisor and is a multi-brand franchisee himself. And he does more placements than anyone else in the country. Sign up for a free consultation call with John today or get a free copy of his book, Non-Food Franchising, at franbridgeconsulting.com. That's franbridgeconsulting.com. Available in the U.S. and Canada. Welcome to the Millionaire University Podcast. Today we are talking with my new friend, fellow entrepreneur and copywriting tiger, Sarah Estes. Sarah and I recently met at a copywriting conference down in Nashville, and we hit it off. Sarah has a totally rad story of how she found her way into copywriting, started her own freelance business, and now finds herself as the top copywriter at Donald Miller's story brand, amongst other top-notch clients she now writes for. It's awesome. And I am super stoked to have her join us today to teach us how to start up a freelance copywriting business. With her help today, you're going to learn exactly what you need to do to get your freelance copywriting business from a thought to a reality. And with that, let's get moving with Sarah's six steps to become a freelance copywriter. Sarah, I want to get just a quick backstory with you so we provide some context for the listeners. You were previously a private investigator. Just a quick hit on your story. And so I was a private investigator for about seven years before I started my copywriting business. And before that, I was a journalist. And like you were saying, copywriting is not very much kind of in the mainstream 
ideas of like what you can do as a writer. So I was a journalist before I became a private investigator and I was struggling to do writing full time. And I worked on staff at newspapers and magazines and things like that. And it was honestly very hard to make a living out of that. It was kind of cobbling together small jobs. And so that's why I went into private investigation because it was a lot of those same skills. So a lot of interviewing and writing reports and analyzing and doing things like that. So it was a way to have a more lucrative career doing a lot of the things that I love to do. So that's how I got into that. But it was about a couple years ago that I found copywriting. And it was like the door opened and I was just off to the races. Once I learned that you could use your writing to make a great living and help a lot of people. And it was just a really beautiful discovery that I'm happy to teach your listeners right now, because if you do have that knack for writing, it's a great way to put those skills to use. Let's dive right in because you sent me these talking points. And I just thought they were spot on for somebody who might be listening to us today who says, oh, you know, copywriting, I've been thinking about that. I've been researching it, or I really don't know much about it, but I do love writing. So let's jump right in. So these are the six steps to getting started in your freelance copywriting career. Sarah, what's the first thing that we need to do? So the first thing that you want to do is to educate yourself in copywriting. So this is not to intimidate anybody, but there is a whole world. It's a science and it's an art. And there are things that you need to know before you go into it. So it's not just creativity. You have to use your creativity, but there are a lot of techniques and kind of high level skills that you need to know. They're absolutely learnable. You can totally do it, but you have to expose yourself to these different techniques and tactics so that you can do this job really well. So what I want to talk about really quick is the kind of what copywriting is, because a lot of people aren't going to know, or some people may have the wrong idea about what copywriting actually is. There's a big difference between copywriting and content writing. And I will see a lot of like different job postings of people who may not understand the difference. So they're trying to hire a copywriter, but what they're really wanting is a content writer. So the difference between the two is copywriting is writing that's meant to inspire someone to take an action. So it's very focused and driven on getting people to either sign up for something, purchase something, but there's an action at the end. So it's very motivated. So you're trying to get someone to do something, whereas content writing is more like blogs or social media, things like that, where there's not necessarily an immediate action that needs to be taken, but it's more you're nurturing people, you're creating that relationship with your audience, and it's just less driven to like where you're trying to get someone to do something. So that's the big difference between content and copywriting. What a copywriter is usually working on are things like sales emails, sales pages, landing pages, Facebook ads, that kind of thing. So when you're trying to get people to click a particular button or sign up for things, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a perfect distinction that needs to be made because it is really easy to confuse the two. You know, a lot of the general public, when you're being sold to in a piece of copywriting, you might not realize it, which actually is a good thing because that means that piece is written really well. It means that it's speaking to you. It's evoking some emotion and it's driving you toward that action, which as the advertiser or the business selling a product, you want people to feel that so that they're more likely to pull out their credit card and make the cash register ring, as opposed to content writing, where 
tell me if you agree with this or not, that content writing sometimes is like a necessary evil. And I don't want to expand that too far because as a, my history being more on the social media advertising side, I know that on the social media marketing side, where it's more so about organic posts and gaining traction organically, I know that the ROI typically is not there as much as it is for the most part in paid advertising, especially on Facebook. Like I'll tell business owners that organic posting on your page, unless you already have a massive following and tons of engagement, you're only going to reach one to 2% of the people that even follow your page roughly with an organic post, which makes it feel pointless. But at the same time, Facebook says your page needs to be active if you want to have good CPMs. You also want to look good in the eyes of people who do seek you out on Facebook. So I think that's a perfect correlation that needs to be made. Yeah. And if we're talking about the income that you make as a copywriter, that's the big distinction. So as a copywriter, the ROI on your services are very high. So if you run a business and you hire an excellent copywriter, what they're going to do is they're going to write assets for you. And these are assets. These are things that you can use over and over again to make money. It's not an expense. It's not a liability. When you invest in your copywriting, you are getting an asset created for you, and that is going to bring in a lot of money for you. So when copywriters are charging particular prices, they're charging based on the amount of money that you will make off of this particular asset. So they're not necessarily charging for their hourly, whatever hour that it takes for them to write it, but there's a different ROI with copywriting versus content writing. Absolutely. And I think, for example, email copywriters incredibly lucrative business for the top email writers out there. When you create a, for example, a welcome sequence or a heart abandonment sequence, that is an example of an asset that can be built one time and just managed and tweaked over time. But I've seen plenty of agencies that charge $30,000, $50,000 to an e-commerce brand for the creation of a cart abandonment sequence. And like you said, that's because of all the money that can get won back from these incredibly useful sequences that are just plug and play, that are automated. They run constantly. So I wanted to throw in that example because I know plenty of copywriters who charge 30 grand plus for per sequence. And honestly, over time, that's probably undercharging, especially if they're not on retainer. So that first point of educate yourself in copywriting. What are a few like copywriting books or people that you followed that really kind of showed you the way in copy? So I'm not telling you anything that you don't know when I say there's tons of free content out there, amazing free content that you can be absorbing to learn a lot of different copywriting techniques. There are people like Alex Catoni, Kevin Rogers of Copy Chief. Alex Catoni has an amazing YouTube channel. Kevin Rogers has an amazing podcast. There's so much out there that you can truly learn amazing stuff. So I recommend when you're doing the dishes or you're driving your car, like have this stuff on constantly and absorb what you can. There are also fantastic copywriting courses and of course, books. Some of my favorite copywriting books, I've read a lot of them. And unfortunately, some of the ones that I read later, I wish that I had read them first. So I'm going to give you the ones that I wish that I had read first. So anyone listening, you can just kick it off with these and you'll be in a better place. So my favorite copywriting book of all time is The Kick-Ass Copywriting Secrets of a Marketing Rebel. And that's by John Carlton. John Carlton is a total legend. And this book is one of the most accessible, funny, charming 
books that talk about the real nitty gritty parts of copywriting that you need to learn to start your business and be a copywriter. So it's not just about the technique, but it's also about how to navigate the world of marketing and selling your services. So I love that book. A few other great ones, Scientific Advertising by Claude Hopkins. It's a great tiny little book that just teaches you so much. Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller is fantastic. It just talks about kind of the approach to positioning yourself as the solution to someone's problem. Sounds simple, but a lot of people really miss that. Breakthrough Advertising by Eugene Schwartz is a very dense book. It's kind of advanced, but if you read that, you will have everything you need to know about, they call it the customer awareness levels, but it's a key part of copywriting that you need to know. And the last one that I love is a book called Influence by Robert Cialdini. That's a great one just about how the human mind works and how we are able to influence someone's actions by these kind of sneaky little psychological tricks that are pretty interesting. So that's a great book too. One of my favorite parts of copywriting is understanding the importance of knowing human psychology when it comes to weaving it into your writing to evoke that emotion or evoke that feeling that I need to buy this, I need to be a part of this or whatever you're selling. I think that's one of the coolest parts of copywriting. Let's head on to step number two to become a freelance copywriter. Sarah, what's step number two? Step number two is to build a portfolio in Google Drive. So this is a critical step. You must have a portfolio. You will not get any kind of copywriting jobs without a portfolio. The beautiful thing about this is that you do not need to make it fancy. It does not have to be some kind of like gorgeous laid out website situation. All you need is some words in some Google Docs in a folder. That's all you have to do. When you're getting started, copywriting has something, and there are other industries that do this too, but it's called on-spec. So you can create work on-spec, which just means that no one's paying you to do it. You're just creating it for yourself as a way to show what you can do. So if you want to start creating copy assets, so maybe you want to write an email sequence or you want to write a sales page or something to use in your portfolio, choose a brand that you absolutely love that would be like one of your dream clients and go ahead and write a mock uh, copy asset for them. So just choose whoever you want. You can take the information that they already have from their website, tweak it, make a much better version of whatever they have, and just get that practice and put that in your portfolio. The only thing you want to do is make sure that whoever's viewing your portfolio, say you're applying for a job, just let them know that it's spec work and that you know these aren't your actual clients. That's totally fair. You won't get judged for it. But that's a great way to, if you've never had clients before, to get the ball rolling and still have a portfolio. So you don't have to have paying clients before you have an amazing portfolio. Got it. And you can just do it right in Google Docs. Doesn't need to be fancy. So don't let that feeling of perfection or even imposter syndrome get in your way. Because I, I have plenty of assets in my business that are just ugly as all get out. And they're just sitting in Google Docs. But all that matters, and I can say as managing writers here at Millionaire University, when it comes to seeing what others have as we scale, it's really not important to us how pretty the presentation is. It's just the meat and potatoes. What do you have? And that's what we care about. So I love that. Keep it simple. Put everything in Google. That one's pretty easy, but the importance of the portfolio can't be overstated. Even if it is on spec and it is not a literal client of yours, you have to be able to show uh, prospects what you can do. 
Absolutely. And oh, little pointer, make sure that when you do create your portfolio on Google Docs, that you have it to where it's shareable. You change it to anyone with the link can view. The worst thing that you can do is for someone to request access to your portfolio, because that can be a step that they just don't take and then you lose the job. So make sure that your Google Docs are accessible to everybody. I have done that so much. And I'll tell you, between multiple businesses, I have like five or six or seven different email logins all through like Google Workspace. And every time it defaults to like my personal email. So we'll get drafts back from our our content writers and I'll log in on the wrong account. Don't even think about it. I put request access and I'm like, no, no, no. Got to log in with the right account. So just a little hot tip for anybody who has multiple (laughs) Google accounts. Make sure when you open a document, it's in the correct Google account. That's my two cents there. Number three, what do you got? All right. Number three is you want to start putting in the reps and getting testimonials. Now, this might not be advice that you get from everybody, but this is how I approached my business and it worked like a charm. So this is what I'm going to recommend people who are starting off start doing. So when I first started my business, I went in and granted, I was working another job. I gave myself a year So I was working a nine to five. I gave myself a year to build my business, get some clients and get things rolling. I'm really glad I didn't need the whole year. I was able to do it in much less time, but kind of giving myself a little bit of a runway to launch into my business. So if you're in a nine to five right now and you're trying to do your own business, do your own thing, that's totally doable. You, you can manage all of this while you're still at your nine to five. And I actually recommend that because it makes you a little less desperate for work and you can be a little more choosy with who you're working with in the very beginning, which is great. So when I say putting in the reps, what you need to do as a copywriter is get those first few little jobs out of the way. So you're going to be so nervous when you're writing for someone. The first job is always like your stomach's turning. and There's just all this pressure of whether or not you're going to be able to actually do the thing that you promised someone that you could do. And it can kind of tear you up a little bit inside and all the imposter syndrome starts flooding in and you question everything about your life. And so you just get them out of the way. The more you do these jobs, the more confident you get. So confidence only comes with practice. So you just have to get through these jobs. So what I recommend people do is not worry about charging bukus of money for these first few projects. Not worry about what you're working on anyways, like what kind of client you're working with. Just do work for whoever will pay you, really. And that is going to help eliminate the imposter syndrome for a while. And the second part that I mentioned was get testimonials. Now, this is something that a lot of people don't do in the beginning of their businesses. But these testimonials are worth their weight in gold, especially for people who are starting out. This is how you build your social proof. This is how you convince bigger and better clients that you're performing great services, that you know what you're doing, and it makes them feel a lot more comfortable with you, even if you don't have some massive track record of like client successes. So what you want to do when you first begin is get as many little jobs as you can. Don't worry so much about the fee that you're charging, even if it's just a small amount of money. That's awesome. Focus on the testimonial that you can get afterwards and make sure to collect those because those are going to really be worth more than whatever you're making in the long run. Absolutely. And we've heard it from plenty of the copywriters that you and I follow. But if you are just starting out, your first amount of work is going to suck. Yeah. (laughs) 
It is. I can prove that. I know, Sarah, you can prove that. I mean, my writing is improving every day, but when I first started, it was garbage. So just deal with that, get over it, and know that with every incremental piece that you do, you're going to take a step forward and learn from the mistakes or learn from feedback, and it's going to improve. Just know that going into it, that your first pieces are going to be rough, but they're going to improve with every step. And I want to get your opinion on this one real quick, on feedback, being able to take that feedback, because that is such a huge part of copywriting that I've experienced is being open to that feedback and knowing that it's part of your growth. Absolutely. I mean, this is a huge thing. And this is something that when you're beginning, when you're first starting out, it can be a nightmare when you get feedback from a client. All you want is for the client to say, this is absolutely perfect. You've done amazing. Here's your money. But really... It's often a dialogue. It's often a couple rounds of edits or, you know, they want little changes. And you just have to be prepared for that and know that that doesn't mean that you're not a good copywriter. That just means that the client cares about their business. And honestly, they're an expert in their business. They know their audience most likely. So those little tweaks and moments of feedback are totally to be expected. Doesn't mean you're not a good copywriter. And, you know, there's a saying that Amateurs want praise. Professionals want feedback. And I think you need to just embody that. And remember, professionals in whatever industry they're working in, whatever field they're working in, they seek out feedback. That is where you know that you're actually getting good at what you do is when you want that harsh feedback, because that means that you're getting better. And that means that whatever you're creating is being molded to be absolutely amazing. And it's important to be able to be malleable, to be able to accept that criticism. It's not easy. I'm not unlike anybody else. And I get criticism. Sometimes it's easy to take it personally. But as I've grown, I've realized that no feedback is not personal attacks. It's just, hey, this is good. Let's improve it. Here's our ideas for it and being open to it. Absolutely. Shopify has already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash MU, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash MU to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash MU. So how about step number four? All right. Step number four is to start taking yourself seriously. Again, I think some people have an argument against this part, but in my experience, this was the best thing that I did for myself. Again, I recommend doing this. So you can put off professionalizing your business for kind of a long time. But I think when you start this stuff from the beginning, it makes you take yourself more seriously. And I think it accelerates your path to becoming an actual business. So what do I mean by start taking yourself seriously? I mean, starting up your LLC, 
keeping track of your expenses and your receipts with QuickBooks, things like that, choosing your niche, getting a website, getting a business checking account so that all of your expenses are coming out of one particular account, using Stripe so that when your clients pay you, they're able to do it really easily and you have a smooth system, you look like a professional. I think those things are really important and they help you work with your clients better because you're making it very easy for them to pay you and you are starting to understand what your cash flow looks like, what things are incoming. And I think when you start looking at your freelance career as a business, you're going to be able to actually make it a full-time thing a lot quicker. It's a mindset shift too, where if you are not taking yourself seriously, then why should you expect a client or a prospect to take you seriously in your work and what you do? So let's say, okay, now I'm taking myself seriously. I got that LLC. I've got a website. I've got my bank account. I'm starting to use QuickBooks. I've got Stripe. I'm getting professional looking invoices made. What about a system for project management? How do you tackle? This can get out of hand very quickly. And especially if you've got a lot of clients, you need a way to manage all the stuff that's coming in, you know, notes on the meetings you take, different little things that people drop, little tasks that kind of happen in maybe in a little email. You have to have a way to organize all that and make sure that nothing falls through the cracks. And It's easier to start these project management systems when you're beginning, when you're new to your business, than once you've already got a whole operation going and maybe you've even got a team of people. So what I use is Asana, which is a project management platform. It's totally free. I love the free options because you don't have to pay very much, especially if you're the only user. And these platforms are amazing. So Asana, I use Notion for all of my documents and client notes and just keeping all of my assets in one place. And then Loom for communicating with clients. So as a copywriter, a lot of your clients are going to be all over the world. So you can't always set meetings. And honestly, it's not a great use of time to always try and connect. So Loom is a great way to walk through a copy document that you've created for your clients so you can explain your thought processes. And that's a video screen share. Yes. I love Loom. I use it all the time. I'm glad you mentioned that one. Yeah, it's fantastic. I was new to it when I first started my business, but it has completely shifted how I'm able to serve my clients because I'm able to explain things. I just send them a loom. If I write something, I send them a loom, say, hey, this is why I'm doing it this way. This is why I approached it at this angle. And it really helps them understand what the copy is doing in kind of a high level way. And it's personable too. It's like, oh, Sarah just dropped into my office here and she gave me this message as opposed to, oh, here's an email thread. It has a little bit more meaning and more personality to it. Absolutely. It's really important for copywriters to not hide behind their screens. You want to get on camera. You want to be on audio. You want to be a real person that these people are working with. And that's how you build those client relationships. If you're just hiding behind email or documents and you never really make yourself personable and humanize yourself to your clients, it's not going to be great for your relationships. So I highly recommend, yeah, leaving those voice messages, leaving those Loom videos and getting on camera during Zoom. A few other ones, Google Cal, obviously, you want to make sure that you've got your calendar, all your deadlines, everything that's going on, make sure that it's all in your calendar. And one other thing that I love is something called the Full Focus Planner. A lot of people use this and they talk about it. I've been using it for four years. It is a like old school paper planner, but it is amazing because it helps you focus on your bigger goals, like your quarterly goals and your year goals. So that's another tool that I like. I'm going to look that one up. 
It's called the Full Focus Planner. It's by Michael Hyatt creates it. And while it's pricey, I have found that the ROI on this silly planner, it's amazing. And I use it every single day and it has helped me tremendously. So I'm a huge fan. I'm not an affiliate. I just love the product. (laughs) And I've used a small handful of these. So Asana I've used just as an alternative. I use monday.com. I don't know if you've ever tried that one. I love it because I'm ADD, ADHD. Color coding mm-hmm. is a great system for me. Yeah. And so if anybody listening, if you can relate a little bit more to me with that, with the ADD and ADHD and color coding, I love monday.com. I think I have like, it's a basic package. There, there's a free version and then the basic is like 10 bucks a month, something like that. Don't quote me on it. But it's very important to have these type of softwares to help you just keep your entrepreneurial life organized because it can get very difficult, especially the bigger you get and the more clients you have. Step number five. This is a big one. This might be the biggest one. (laughs) So step number five is you've got to learn how to sell your services. There it is. Might sound obvious, but this is what tanks people. This is what will make people quit copywriting so quickly once they've already invested in their education in getting this business started because they don't learn how to handle sales calls and how to get on a call with someone and actually pitch them their services. And yes, this is hard. It's not intuitive for a lot of people, especially because I think a lot of people who come into the copywriting world are writers and thus kind of introverted. So they're really great at selling other people's stuff because they're copywriters. So you learn how to sell other people's stuff. But then something happens when it comes to selling your own stuff that I don't know what the deal is, but you just like break down. Something crumbles and people just lose that gusto to ask for a big number sometimes. You know, it can be people stay safe and they undercharge and they play a lot of these mind tricks with themselves when it comes to their money mindset and what they're worth, what they can charge, that kind of stuff. A lot of different things come into play when you're learning how to sell your services. So what I recommend is taking classes, get educated on that level of salesmanship. Because at the end of the day, every single person who owns a business, they are a salesperson, first and foremost. Because if you cannot sell your business, you cannot sell your products and services, you're not going to last for very long. You really have to understand that that is going to be a big part of your business is that client acquisition aspect. So I highly recommend there are scripts and templates that you can use in the beginning if you really don't know how to conduct a discovery call with a new client and how to close that deal. You can learn from other people who are way better at it than you. Again, it's getting the reps in and having those calls can really help. But at the end of the day, if you can't sell your own stuff, why should your clients expect you to be able to sell their stuff. It kind of shows your chops. So keep that in mind when you're having those initial discovery calls. In your story, when you started getting into copywriting, you didn't come from a sales background. You're very well versed. Maybe you're a type A salesperson type of personality. And I don't know yet. I would believe it if you told me that. But what did you do when you first started your copywriting business and really going to sell your own things? It's not private investigating anymore. It's not journalism. You're not reporting. You're actually going and selling, which, like you said, is one of the hardest things to do for so many of us, myself included. How did you get over that hurdle when you first started out? 
This was really hard for me. So luckily, I was involved in a copywriting group. So it's kind of a mastermind copywriting group. And I will say, for anyone who is out there being a lone wolf solo entrepreneur, having some kind of community of people who are doing what you do, in my opinion, is so, so, so important because you can learn these skills. I think a lot of people go into entrepreneurship and they know the skill of what they're doing. So if you're providing a service, you become a master at that, but you lack all of these other business skills that what it takes to actually have a thriving business. And you have to learn those. You have to get all of these supporting skills. So what was really great was that the copywriting mastermind that I was in had a sales coach. And I clung on to her for dear life in the beginning of having these discovery calls, especially when I started raising my rates. So I had those moments where I was working for whatever people would pay. I was just focused on the testimonials. I was getting the jobs done. And then there came a time where I was like, all right, it's time to put my big girl pants on and charge real rates, you know, and actually make this a lucrative business. And the first few calls saying those numbers, actually getting the numbers out of my mouth to clients, I would be shaking before the call. And it took a lot to learn how to emotionally regulate during those things and to say the number and then to just shut up. You know, let them think about it, let them process it. Like learning these little techniques of how these things need to go were very helpful. But I really leaned on the frameworks that the sales coach and other people that I sought out to learn about selling. I focused on the frameworks until it felt natural and I could kind of do my own thing. But yeah, it was really hard for me. And I think it's hard for a lot of people when they first start out, for sure. Oh, for sure. It's so easy to get in your head, especially if you're not someone who you don't view yourself as an extrovert or someone who can go out and just do the thing, put yourself on the line. It takes a lot of guts and a lot of courage and a lot of practice, right? You got to have the volume to get better at. You got to put in the reps just like an athlete. They got to lift those weights. They got to throw that ball. They got to do it consistently every single day to get better and better at it. It's not my nature. I'm a good Midwestern boy. I don't want to like get in people's faces. I don't ever want to be viewed as pushy salesmen. But he said, you got to change your mindset into if you have a solution for somebody's problem, you are doing them a disservice if you do not notify them and tell them and explain to them how you can help them and solve their problem. Therefore, turning what would be called a sales conversation into just a friendly conversation with a buddy of yours. You know, look at this person as a friend of yours who says, hey, I have a problem and you happen to be the guy who can help me with it. If I don't then sell you on how I can help, I'm doing you a disservice. So it takes a lot of mindset shifting internally to be able to go out there and do this. But when you come from a place of providing value, providing a solution and explaining how you do it, explaining how much it costs to do that, it can be a lot more simple than we build it up to be in our minds. I get sweaty on sales calls. Like still a thing, I don't think that'll ever change, but with practice, you get better at it. And I know the thing with pricing, we could, we could have a whole other show on pricing, but if you don't have your pricing set, if you don't have your structure set, and you don't have everything like that organized on the back end, that can really make your sales conversations way harder. Oh, yeah, because if you're fumbling around of what something may or may not cost, you're going to have a really hard time selling that service. And the thing is, is that I think if someone is not buying into what you're selling, if someone doesn't believe that the solution that you are providing is the answer to their problem, like you said, 
then you haven't done your job educating them on what you actually do and what the ROI for them is in the future, especially when it comes to copywriting. So the whole goal of the sales conversation for me is to educate this person on how exactly I'm going to solve their problem and what they're going to get from it. So what's in it for them and what that's going to look like. Because at the end of the day, if they understand that, my price is nothing. It's a drop in the bucket based on what they're going to get in the future. So that is what I'm trying to show them during that entire call is what does that look like in the future? How much money are they standing to lose if they don't hire me? That's kind of part of that education piece. Yep, it's shifting the mind of the prospect in real time. And it's presenting in that fashion will make them realize I do need this or I will be losing if I don't hire Sarah for this. And she has explained it to me clear as day. So that's a big bugaboo, right? It's tough, but with reps, with the proper education, it can be done. And it's obviously if your business is stagnant and not growing, you're dying. That is a huge point. Like I said, we could talk for days on that one, but we're going <laughs> to head on to our final point, number six. So thus far, we've talked about educating yourself in copywriting, building your portfolio in Google Drive, putting in the reps and getting those testimonials, start taking yourself seriously, learning how to sell your services. And finally, drum roll, brrr, number six, Sarah, what do we got? All right, number six is going to be creating that authority content and list building. This is really what's going to take you to that next level as a copywriter or really for anyone who is providing a service or product out there. Authority content is basically your own thoughts, your own content. It doesn't have to be social media content. People kind of get hung up on, oh, does this mean I have to be on social media all the time? No. But what it means is that you have to put your own thoughts about what you do and your field and your industry out into the world so that people know that you are actually a leader in your space. And this is going to set you apart. It's going to help you stand out from all the noise because the fact is there are so many copywriters out there, just so many. And especially when you've got like things like ChatGPT where people are calling themselves a copywriter and they're just like pressing buttons. The competition is high, but not really when you start looking at the good copywriters who are actually creating a name for themselves in this space. So what authority content is going to look like is a podcast or a YouTube channel or a blog. If you're a writer, a blog is a great place to start. But you're basically putting your original thoughts out there into the world. You can repurpose that for your social media content or your LinkedIn. If you're posting on LinkedIn or you're sending out email newsletters, that's going to help you have stuff to talk about and stuff to write about. I think this is my favorite one because for so many years, I ignored advice to start my own email list. I didn't start it till earlier this year because I didn't think that what I had to say or what I think was worth sharing, which was imposter syndrome, lying underneath where I didn't even realize it. And it's already opened up different worlds for me and different connections. And when I launched my first digital product of putting buyers on there, having people interested in my services on there, it's the most valuable asset that any business can have. But especially if you're a freelancer or you're working towards being an agency, whatever your goals are, because that is a list of people who are either your buyers or prospects that no algorithm, no platform can ever take away from you. If Google and Facebook blew up tomorrow, you could still go out and reach these people, communicate with them. And if you have products to sell, eventually a service to sell, you always have people to sell to. So I think it's just one of those assets in your business that should always be there. 
and always be curating it because I've seen in full effect from people I follow on their email lists, like the longer you follow someone, the more valuable content that they put out. It is just invaluable for your learning because he said, you're not just putting out crap into the ether, you're documenting your experience and you're sharing it, document and share. It's not going to grow your business overnight, but it's going to start growing your authority over the long term. And that's key. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing is like, this is definitely a long play, but you should get started as early as possible. So especially when it comes to building your email list, it's fine if you've only got 10 people on your email list. That's totally okay. Like, honestly, that's kind of better because you can get that practice in of writing newsletters and writing to your list without feeling the pressure of like, oh my God, there's a thousand people who are going to read this. You know, sometimes having a small list is actually a great place to start, even if it's just like your mom and brother and whomever. So, you know, you want to make sure that you've got somewhere on your websites, whatever it is, you've got a place where you can start collecting those email lists and building that authority for yourself because it does. It really is going to help you in the long run. And it's not just building authority. Like you said, it is actually, this is you practicing your craft. With every email you send, just like with any piece of content that you create or any copywriting you do for a client, you're going to get better. And when you practice every day, at least once, whether you send an email once a day or twice a week or three times a week, whatever it is, that's practice. And like I said, even if your list is tiny, that's okay because then if you know your initial stuff is crummy, there's not going to be a ton of people seeing it. By the time you have a couple hundred or a couple thousand people on your list, you're going to be way better at it. Yeah, and you never know what you're going to want to do in the future. So maybe you don't have products that you're selling right now, but in the future you may want to do that. And if you've been building your list for those past two years, you're just going to have a leg up on everyone else and it's going to be a lot easier for you to incorporate these new revenue streams into your business if you've already been building that list. Yep, that's a great point. I've seen a lot of people that I follow, their business models, their goals change over time. And it's awfully beneficial to have a list of X amount of people on it that you can tell that you're changing and that, hey, maybe this new stuff I'm providing, that maybe this applies to you even more than my old stuff. So yeah, I think that's fantastic. All right, well, I want to begin to park the boat in the harbor here. So those were the six steps to getting started to becoming a freelance copywriter. To go over that again, it's educate yourself in copywriting, build a portfolio on Google Drive, put in the reps and get those testimonials, start taking yourself seriously, learn how to sell those dang services, and then building your authority content and list building. Sarah, this has been awesome. Any final parting thoughts for anybody who's really considering jumping into copywriting? Yeah, I mean, I would just say that it's a great career to get into. I absolutely love it. And, you know, really just start with consuming all the free stuff that you can, reading books, getting that education going. And there's so much out there. There's so much out there to help you get started in this world. So I encourage everyone to pursue it. Absolutely. And for everybody listening, you're going to want to give Sarah a follow, hop on her email list. You can find her at copytiger.com. Yes. And you can get Sarah's full story, all her golden nuggets of copywriting. And then I believe when you hop on your list, you get a free sales letter training. Is that what it is? Yes, absolutely. It's a sales page checklist. So it's great, especially if you want to start creating spec assets for your copywriting portfolio. This is going to be a great way to create your first sales page for a client. Or if you, you know, if you're actually writing a sales page for a client and you aren't sure what all elements need to be included in that, this is great. It took me 
a long time to figure out this particular template. So hopefully it'll help you skip over all the expensive training and time that I did to learn how to write a sales page. So it's a shortcut to writing a great one. Awesome. And I can say I snagged it for myself and went through it. It is absolutely spot on. So everybody listening, go hop on Sarah's list, grab that little training. It can pay dividends for your writing business. Awesome. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being with us. We hope to have you on again in the future. Again, there's so much that goes into the business of copywriting. And you have already shown that you are an incredibly successful copywriter doing great things in the industry. So we're glad to have you aboard. Thank you so much. This was super fun. All righty. Round of applause for Sarah. What fantastic information she shared with us today. She truly is the bomb.com, if I do say so myself. With Sarah's six steps, I have no doubt that you'll be able to start and pursue your very own freelance copywriting business. But remember, as with the learning of any new concept or starting of any new business, it's going to take time and it's going to take dedication. Rome wasn't built in a day. But if writing really speaks to you, finding your way into copywriting may be the right move. And we're here with you every step of the way. So thank you for being with us today, and we will see you on the next episode of the Millionaire University Podcast. Hey, Eric Fisher here, and if you love the conversations and lessons happening on this show, and you've heard my voice before, you'll love my show, Beyond the To-Do List. It's a podcast about productivity and getting things done in all the areas where we wear multiple hats and roles, but also about the true meaning of productivity, living a more meaningful life. Look, you've got a never-ending to-do list, but add this podcast to your to-do list and it will help you tackle the rest. Go right now wherever you're listening to this and search Beyond the To-Do List and hit follow or subscribe. Start listening and get that boost for your productivity that you've been needing. Again, that's beyond the to-do list. Search in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.